What is going on, everybody? It is Monday night, and that means it is time for the Monday Rewind. And it's a victory Monday Rewind here on the OBR. With you, as always, I'm your host, Michael Keefe. Go find me online at Garage Beers Mike. And joining me tonight, uh, first, he is the legend. It's Fred Greetham at Fred Greetham 9. Fred, how are you feeling on this beautiful Monday? Complain, January, 55 degrees. Yeah, right. Yeah, what's going on outside? <clears throat> Could have took it a week earlier, I think. Browns might have won a game. I'm just earlier. nervous. I'm just nervous, Fred, that this just means it's going to be snowing in March and April. And I'm I can't handle that. It will anyway. March has become the new uh January. February. February. Yeah. It's like everything shifted a month, you know. Like December's it. not been so bad up here. It's more like March. We used to play baseball and and it was cold, but now it's like snows all March. <clears throat> right. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like that one bit. But hey, welcome in. Uh, we are also being joined. Uh, find him online at Ward on Sports. It's Brad Ward. What's going on, Brad? Gentlemen, uh, happy to be with you. Happy New Year to uh, everybody uh, watching this and you guys. Wishing a uh, better 2023 than you had a 2022. That's even if you had a great 2022. Yeah, just have a better, better year. Just keep getting better, right? Yeah. Do better. Hashtag do better, do better 2023. I like that. Hopefully yeah. that is the Browns. Uh, in 2023. Uh, sure. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, listen, uh, before we get into what we want to talk about with the Browns, first of all, if you're joining us live, like Fumble13, uh, who is willing to give up body parts for a win this week, and I, that's understandable. And we'll get to this week's game in a bit. Uh, but if you're joining us live here tonight, uh, get in the comments. Be a part of the show. Uh, we want to know your questions. We want to know your comments. Uh, we, we're not going to get to every single one of them, but we certainly will pull them in as we go. And we really, really appreciate you joining us here on this Monday night. The Monday Rewind tonight is a fun one. We haven't had a ton of fun ones, but well, over the last half of the season, there's been more good than bad for sure. Uh, and this was uh, this was an interesting one, guys. Uh, the Cleveland Browns beat the Washington Commanders 24-10 to in what can only be described as just a weird game. It was like two separate games. The first half was disjointed and boring. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was And frustrating. And all the, all the bad words that you can think of. Uh, there was no rhythm to it. There was no, uh, there was nothing offensively. And then to, to make it worse, guys, at the end of that first half, the Washington Commanders go on a, uh, I think they're still counting the minutes. I think it, 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 we may be up to 1,000 minutes on that drive to end the first half. They drive all the way down the field and score on a fourth down. And it was just absolutely brutal. And, and guys... I want you to rewind it for me. Fred, how are you feeling going into the half after the Browns had just gone down seven to three? The commanders just sucked the soul out of you with that drive. Uh, and and the Browns hadn't shown you really much positive offensively to make you feel like they could get back in. How were you feeling at halftime yesterday? Well, I, I was thinking I've seen this thing before where a team, the Browns always talk about trying to double dip but they never seem to do it. Other teams do it to them. I don't know if it was the Dolphins game. There oh, was yeah. one game they kind of had control. And then I think it was the Dolphins went right down before the half scored, then got the kickoff, went right down, scored again, game, yep. set, match. 
and you kind of felt, especially if Washington did the same type thing and took 11 minutes off the quarter, um, you wouldn't have much chance because Browns only had four plays in the second quarter. And that, I think that counted the kneel down, you know? So um, they, is this bad? Washington took the ball with 11.48 to go in the second quarter and didn't give it up until, like I said, the kneel down, 20 seconds or something. So you really can't count that. Then they took the ball, and even though it was a three and out, they didn't give it up till like 12 minutes to go. So, I mean, you look at that and you're like, wow, you have to really be fishing on offense. And the Browns were then in the second half. Second, yeah, second half. Yeah, Brad, what about you? T- take it back to halftime for a minute. Don't don't think about what happened in the second half. Don't think about how you're feeling today. Yeah. Halftime. Yeah, it, I mean, it was it was now. very, very defeating. Uh, I was very defeated at halftime. Uh, you know, there was nothing really to grab onto that you saw that made you feel like, eh, maybe, you know, things are going to sway the other way. So, you know, it wasn't a great feeling. That drive was, uh, you know, they converted, I think, at, I was they were counting them. At one time, it was five straight third downs on that drive. I don't know whether it was five or six at the end, but yeah. Five or six at the yeah. end. I mean, that's the only way you end up with a 21-play drive, right, or 22 plays or whatever it was. So either way, that was defeating as well on top of it. So, like, to add insult to injury, you have that incredibly uh, defeating drive against this defense – uh, where, and especially with the focus with this was really kind of on the offense and they looked as disjointed as ever in the first half, which is really where my concern lied the most. Yeah. And listen, Philly makes a comment here that says personally didn't give a rip about the defense yesterday. I just wanted to see Watson take a step forward. Yes. And that was, that was, that's what the concern is. These last few games of the season, what's Deshaun Watson going to be able to do And the first half yesterday now, listen, I think there are variables to it, but he wasn't good. He didn't help. He didn't help the variables. He didn't help the variables, uh, whether it was the fact that he was the, the offensive line was rough, the fact that the wide receivers weren't really getting open, but he didn't do make plays to kind of get around that either. And all of a sudden you start thinking, oh, my gosh, like, I don't know, visions of Russell Wilson dance through our heads <laughs> and we don't need that. And then, guys, all of a sudden. I don't know that anybody, you know, we're all Browns fans. We all root for the team on Sundays, obviously. I don't know that if you would have asked me to put a $5 bill down and and say, hey, the Browns are going to come out and just kind of completely 180 this game in the second half. I don't know that I would have put money on that, guys. But that's what they did. The Browns come out of the half and they 180 the half uh, or they 180 the game. And all of a sudden they go down, they go from being down seven to three to winning 24 to 10. Deshaun Watson winds up with three touchdown passes. The defense continued to play well, and and Washington could get nothing going. And we'll talk about that. But before before we get our thoughts on the way they were able to turn it around, uh, in the background here, Ian's got a video. I want to hear the thoughts from Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson on this. Tom, it's never one thing, uh, especially when you're talking about the run game, the pass game, whatever it is, you, you need precision. You need 11 guys on the same page. Uh, obviously, we as coaches got to give the players concepts and things that they can do well. So uh, at times, it, I'd say it was uh, protection. At times, it was uh, maybe a misread, maybe not running the route perfectly, uh, maybe not a great play call. So it's always one of those things. And when we all kind of get on the same page and, and 
and operate with precision, uh, I think you see that we can be real dangerous through the air. And I thought that's what you saw in the second half. Uh, we just got in a rhythm. Um, we started, you know, instead of pressing and trying to, you know, fall into what the commanders was doing on defense, we started controlling the game. And that's what we did. You can see the tempo, the urgency of everything. We had to wake up as a, as a whole. Um, we came in at halftime. It wasn't much to say. We knew what we had to do. And we just had to, you know, make the game simple for us. And that's what. I got to say, Brad, I think Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson's always in this league been one of the best quarterbacks at kind of explaining the way games go in press conferences. And that little nugget that he had right there that said, mm -hmm. we were so focused in the first half about trying to match what the commanders were doing on defense and trying to get around it. And then in the second half, we just said, we're going to play our game and the commanders are going to have to match us. I think that is the most succinct way to put the turnaround of this game and the way the rest of this game went, isn't it? Um, yeah, listen, he looked lost in the first half, right? And he looked like uh, the protections were breaking down. He was running for his life. He was sacked four times. There was no way to really get into a rhythm, right? However, I will give, you know, I think Ron Rivera, uh, you know, who did not have a very good day yesterday as a whole, and that's saying it nicely, got got severely outcoached in this one because the adjustments at halftime opened some things up and really i think uh somebody in chat said it you know once he hit cooper on the sideline and he kind of put that hesitation move on the guy and took it to the house you know it, it unlocked some things for watson you know you get a good feeling going you completed a long pass and then they were able to I don't know if anybody, I'm sure everybody has uh, read Jake's piece on the adjustments in the second half that he did this morning at the OBR website, but uh, it outlines these things very nicely that what the the uh, adjustments that the Browns made, but it opened some things up and really Watson was incredibly impressive in the second half. I mean, that's what we needed to see, right? Like he looked in rhythm, he was excited you saw him looking and you know he was very emotional fired up looking over at Brissett uh as they were kind of feeling like the moment and uh it was absolutely everything you needed to see after that first half so uh I think that uh, the coaching staff did a good job of as you kind of said you know just playing their game a little bit uh with some adjustments and it all kind of clicked in the second half and I think it's something that uh you know this this needed to start somewhere and i feel like this could be like a line in the sand maybe for this offense well fred you don't often see listen i know the score wasn't crazy at halftime it was seven to three because the washington commanders suck offensively when carson wentz is the quarterback that just is what it is but with that being said the turnaround was so dramatic to me it's it, this is it, it feels the same as if you were playing maybe a different team and they had a 20 to nothing lead at halftime and you came back and won it at the end because it was so bad in the first half and then it got so good in the second half. Um, is this something, do you get a sense from them as you hear them talking, as you talk to the players and the coaches, do you get a sense from them that this is something they feel like this is like that cornerstone stepping stone that they can really build upon this, obviously not for this year, but moving into next year. Absolutely. I mean, we've been, you know, I've written for weeks that the final six games were all about Watson and getting him back on pace, whether they 
made the playoffs or not. Obviously they didn't, but they have so much to play for. And the big thing is showcasing him to attract potential free agents for defense play or even, you know, a wide receiver or offensive skill position because to upgrade their team even further for next year, I think all of us would agree that even on offense, even skill, you need another big time receiver, somebody almost between Cooper and people's Jones that can take the top off. And if, if you see an explosive offense down the stretch here, and that's going to be attractive to free agents. You know, I don't know if you can get Amari Cooper, another type of player for a fifth round draft pick, you know, <laughs> but as far as those are their only ways to add. And, you know, I wrote a story today and somebody called me out, you know, how can you call it a breakout game with, you know, nine completions and three touchdowns? I said, I called it a semi breakout game because it was a half a game. But if he can come to the Steelers and put that together this week, I think it would leave no doubt. And that would really accomplish what I was talking about going into the offseason, the offense, the potential, everything going forward. And yeah, we finished eight and nine or whatever it was. But look out, AFC North, you're on notice. Hey, Mike, you know, to build off of what he said there about, uh, Fred, what you said about the wide receiver, I wrote about that today as well. One of my takeaways from this game was, look, if this team can add another wide receiver, but like a serious, legitimate wide receiver, and this is not a knock on David Bell or the guys that are depth on this team now, but like uh, that group of Bell, Schwartz, Woods, for me, isn't going to cut it. That's good depth. That's fine if you want to build on them on your roster. But they need a third guy who provides a different kind of uh, gear, right? A guy that has the speed to keep teams honest on the back end that, as Fred said, can take the top off. And somebody that also can play on every down and work in the intermediate and work on jet sweeps. Like, you you need a dynamic third wide receiver for this offense really to maximize what they can be. I think that is a huge part of this offseason. You know, trying to fill the roles with a Schwartz and a Woods and a, and a, a Bell, each one taking a portion of that isn't going to cut it. One guy who is a really good proven receiver who can make this a a three prong, you know, wide receiver group, I think is is very critical to what they want to do next year. Well, it also gives you. I love that point, Brad, because what it also gives you it gives you you have to have sometimes the opportunity to develop a guy, and like. You haven't had time with Anthony Schwartz to develop him, really. Like, right. no offense. I'm not. I'm not sitting here sticking up for Schwartz or what he's done or whatever. But sometimes, when you see really good offenses out there, sometimes you see guys that get to play like just you know maybe like eight to ten snaps in a game, and maybe they make one or two plays, and you don't really think much of them until. And and this got brought up with Miko Hardman. Miko Hardman was kind of like that. Miko Hardman was like the fourth guy in that Chiefs, fifth guy in that Chiefs offense at one point. And he would like take the top off you every once in a while. And that's kind of all he did. And then he just kind of developed into a much better player and a much better player and a much better player. And I don't know about Schwartz. Uh, you know, you look at look at some of what Jake has written about uh, Michael Woods. Uh, even though his play yesterday got called back because of a penalty, 
Michael Woods looked pretty shifty when he got the ball in his hands. Uh, and, and that could be a kind of guy that maybe in two or three years is all of a sudden a big time playmaker, but you got to have a guy that can fill in. You can't be just chucking these guys out there and, and, and kind of ruining their confidence because that becomes a problem. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and you got, you no, got to have, you got to let them learn. You need a guy that can step on day one and yes. contribute, not develop those things you can do, but no, you can't draft a guy because unless you draft a guy in the first round, I don't think most of these college kids are ready to step in and make an impact. Even the first rounders at wide receiver, you need a guy been there, done that. You put him out there. Boom. He's your number two, you know, or at worst number three. Guys, totally I, I agree. Wanna... Because oh, ahead, just because I agree totally because and to both of your points, yeah, you can develop those guys. That's fine. But they are in a clear two-year window with the way that they have treated, the way they paid the offensive line and everything here, where they need to go for it. And there is, like, there seems to be this notion out there that there may not be enough money to do this, that, the other. There is enough restructures available that they can really go all in if they want to. So, you know, it's just a, how far do they want to go into the void years of that, right? So, uh, you know, I guess uh, I would say exactly what Fred said. I, I think you really need to have a guy that you can roll out there and, and can play right away. Uh, so to switch topics a little bit, because this has been uh, this has been brought up a couple times in our chat so far on the show, while we're still talking about the offense, and we kind of brought this up, uh, I, I think I brought this up on the post-game show yesterday, but there's definitely a learning curve here, right, guys, as far as learning how to play with Deshaun Watson. And, and I think a lot of the conversation around Deshaun Watson has been about Deshaun Watson, but like in the comments, uh, talked about, uh, somebody made a comment before about the offensive line uh, got uh, not such a great game. Uh, here it was red leader, 74 Watson scramble game is elite. O-line was a D minus because you keep seeing some of these O-linemen uh, kind of giving up after the uh, initial, you know, once, once one guy gets by him, they kind of give up and Watson is tough to bring down. Uh, we also had a comment here from E Gill and one, they need wide receivers to know what to do when Watson scrambles. I talked about it yesterday. You know, Fred, I know Deshaun was there in the preseason. I know he was there in camp. I know these guys got used to Deshaun Watson himself. But they weren't really fully able to go all in practicing the way you would play with Deshaun Watson, were they? Because you had to practice the way you were going to play with Jacoby Brissett for 11 weeks. And that's going to be different. So how much of a learning curve do these guys need to learn how to play all of a sudden. And again, you've gone from Baker Mayfield to Jacoby Brissett, two guys that aren't going to get out there and scramble a whole heck of a lot, to one of the most premier scrambling quarterbacks in the NFL. What's that learning curve going to look like? And did we maybe not talk about that learning curve for the other players enough? Well, I think that that is very important. And that's why he's out there in the last two drives when they're just handing it off to Jerome Ford. You're like, why in the world is he out there? Because they just want him play and play after play to just try to, you know, get get as much his voice incorporated in the offense. And and I, I agree with that. I think Cooper gets it. And they talked about it, both of them last week, how they're going to get together in the offseason. I think that'll be important. I mean, there was so much 
turmoil last year, even after they acquired him, that you couldn't do any of that. And hopefully they have a clean off season and very little legal stuff going on. Other, Hopefully you can get whatever he has and there's no other missteps and get that behind him. I think it would go a long way because he seems very serious about getting on the same page with all these guys not like some of the guys they've had in the past that did some lip service, but he's actually going to do it and wants to do it. So I think it's big. I think it's very important. And uh, that adds so much to it. I That's what I talked. I asked Kevin Stefanski today about his legs. We've seen just glimpses, the Raven game, that 17 yard run, big play. Then you saw the touchdown with the saints touch big play. And then in the second half, he took off six times for 31 yards, and one of them was a 21-yard big play. We didn't see that in the first half, and you wonder why they were having so much trouble. It's like, why not do a couple of those? Maybe that would loosen up that defensive line. So um, I just think whether it's him or whether it's the coaching staff, that's a big part of his game because it just seems when some of those things click – he just gets him going, gets him in a rhythm. Brett, how difficult is it? Wide receivers, offensive linemen. How difficult is it to make the switch from Baker Mayfield slash Jacoby Brissett and that kind of style, pocket passer style quarterback to a guy who th- th- this play is not over until you hear a whistle. And if you don't hear a whistle, that means Deshaun's probably running around somewhere. Uh, how difficult is it to kind of just transition mentally there? Yeah, I think it's a completely different mindset. Joel Batonio talked about it last week is that you really got to be cognizant as a lineman, you know, where he is. And and like you said, play's probably still going if you're not hearing a whistle. So you got to keep trying to put, you know, body on somebody. Look around. If you, your guy's gone, go back and help out somewhere. We see so many just stand there watching. Jack Conklin over there thought he was going out for a pass, you know? So I think that's just working together. And I think, I really think that, you know, 23 is obviously where you're going to have a great off season of work and getting on the same page. You were hoping to pull out something at the end of this year, but, you know, to be honest, when you miss your, starting quarterback for 11 games, you're probably not going to go anywhere anyway. Uh, I love that you brought up that play, Fred, and I encourage everybody to go read what Jake, Jake Burns wrote this huge thing about that play today. I encourage you all to go check it out because uh, I said it, I said it after the game yesterday. I don't think that was like a meme worthy play. Everybody was making fun of Deshaun Watson for throwing the ball to Jack Conklin. And I'm like, he just ran around like a chicken with his head cut off, trying to evade guys trying to sack him for like, 15 seconds back there. And finally, he just looked up and saw somebody over on the sideline, not probably thinking that his right tackle was going to be over on the sideline. And he threw it to him. Oh, what can you do? What can you do? The scramble ability is elite, though. Uh, Brad, uh, any thoughts Any thoughts on this part of the conversation? And, and just the, the – the, the, have you noticed any guys maybe that are adapting a little bit better than others? Uh, because I think we can talk about some of the guys that we don't think are adapting very well to this. And it's the same names we've been talking about. But have you noticed any guys that are maybe adapting a little better? Listen, you know, I think that, uh, you know, Pochick and, and, uh, you know, of course, um, 
the left side of the line of scrimmage, except for Wills, has been fine. But Wills, Teller, and Conklin have struggled, right? Like, like I don't know if they're not if Teller's not healthy or whatever. And this goes beyond just dealing with Watson as a scrambler. This is just blocking in general. But Teller was just literally getting ran right past uh, uh, on play after play yesterday uh, to the point that it, to, that it was detrimental to the offense um, until the second half when Watson was just taking literally those those <laughs> the pressure and just running with the ball and, and making plays. But, like, uh, it, it has been uh, brutal. But I would say Batonio and Pochick have been fine, and they seem to get it. But the other three uh, are struggling to adjust, right? Like, you know, we've seen holding calls where they don't, you know, <coughs> another thing that they have to adjust to a scrambling quarterback, right, is disengaging when the guy's running forward, right? We've seen holding calls where a guy will stay engaged and then all that guy that they're blocking has to do is make a move to the right or the left, and it's automatically a holding because your quarterback's running down the field and you don't realize it. That has happened a few times. Yesterday, we saw Watson scrambling everywhere, and you see Wills just kind of standing there instead of finding someone to block because literally Watson cut it all the way back across the field, and he could have blocked that guy, but he's just standing there. So certainly adjustment, but but damn it, guys, it's effort too. I mean, come on, man, this isn't just an adjustment. There seems to be a lack of effort there sometimes. Uh, giving up on plays, it's extremely frustrating. I don't know what they need to do uh, to fix this, but yeah, I mean, uh, I totally, you know, Callahan, great coach, should be able to fix this not that hard right like i mean wide receivers know how to run a scramble drill this shouldn't be new to them you're in the nfl right you know to cut go back to the receiver you should have done this at some point in your career same with offensive linemen when did they learn that after you get beat in your you know your quarterback is running around that you can just stand there i, I don't know I, I get that it's an adjustment but it shouldn't be this difficult well, it's funny because you know we've we've been we've been doing this since March with the Deshaun Watson conversation, and I feel like we just uh, I know it's been written about about, but I, it feels like we haven't talked a lot on the streams about the adjustments that everybody else has to make. You know, we've talked a lot about Deshaun Watson and missing seven hundred days of football, and he's going to be rusty, and he's it's going to be there's going to be good moments and bad moments, and we we've done that and we've over and over again. But you know, talk about being a wide receiver out there. When you're used to, you know, especially take a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones, right? Brad, take Donovan Peoples-Jones. It's a guy that's his career has been spent here in Cleveland, and it was entirely with Baker Mayfield and then a little bit with Jacoby Brissett, right? Yeah. That Those are guys that that ball is either coming out or they're going down. Like, that, that just is what it is. There's no extension of plays, really, that happened too much with those guys. So for a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones as a wide receiver, and it's the same concept, right? As as the as the offensive mm -hmm. lineman, uh, it, it's got to it's got to be a pretty wild adjustment to go run your route and then realize like, oh, if something hasn't happened yet, I got to cut this off and go move around. It it it, it just seems to me like uh, that's gonna that's gonna be a, have to be a massive coaching undertaking this offseason is just to kind of retrain their minds uh, to go play a different style because even at the wide receiver position, like you said, Pat Shea here. 
wide receivers go deep or come back to the ball, but they they got to be consistently moving around. It's going to be a lot more tiring game for these guys, isn't it? Yeah, but and I understand what you're saying. And it is they do have to train their minds, but I mean. They teach you the scramble drill when you first learn how to play wide receiver in like sixth grade, bro. This should not be like, you know, like shocking stuff. I mean, it's not that hard, you know, break off your route and, and make yourself available to the quarterback. So, I mean, let's not make this rocket science. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it it's about, yeah, he's going to scramble. He's going to keep plays alive, you know, just make yourself available to the wide to the quarterback i i think we're overthinking it a little bit yeah it's i, I don't mean to overthinking i just i just you know i think there's there's got to be an element of that that sure once you get used to playing a certain way it doesn't matter what you're doing if you start doing things wrong for a long time sure then it's sure. hard to retrain yourself so no uh, i'm not i'm not coming at you i'm just saying like you know bro yeah you want to come in i mean no i'm just I'm just saying, like, you know, a lot of the stuff that we, you know, I don't want to make excuses for these guys, but, I mean, this is some of this stuff should be ingrained in you uh, as a football player at the NFL level. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's, again, why that's again why you want a veteran that can come in, knows what to do. Maybe he's even exactly. played with Watson before. And you add him to the mix with Cooper. You don't have this, okay, we got to learn and all that. You guys – you rookies and second year guys, you just figure it out on your own. We're, we yeah, don't we have that. time for that. You need a guy, whether it's a Brandon Cooks or somebody, Will Fuller comes in, knows the drill, and yeah. stepped on the field and, and becomes an, a legitimate threat. Great point. Fred, I will say this. Uh, for the offense, uh, we've, we've, we've hit on uh, some of the struggles of some of the players on the offensive line in the pass game. In the run game, though, pretty solid, man. Uh, that run game yesterday – was pretty solid. Uh, Nick Chubb goes over 100 yards as per usual. As you've talked about, uh, uh, Deshaun Watson with the 30 yards in the second half on a couple big plays. Uh, the run game just never is a problem here. Is <laughs> it like they just they have that down to a science? We saw some wrinkles though, right, Fred? Like there were a couple of those read option plays. The one where Deshaun Watson kind of high stepped out of bounds uh, that picked up a, a huge chunk of yards. Um, you know, any, anything new that you're noticing with the Browns in the run game with Deshaun Watson back there and and noticing that it's it's performing better the more and more he plays? No, I think that 21-yard play was a big play in the game and uh, picked up a first down. And, and I just think you can't overuse it, but I just think it keeps the defense totally off balance because instead of worrying about Nick Chubb as being the only option – is that he's going to pull the ball and go the other way. And if you over-pursue for Chubb, you're going to get beat for 20 yards and a first down. So that's to me, is a, is a major weapon. I mean, it's disheartening to the defense. All Browns fans have to do is when you watch them, you know, with Lamar Jackson, you know, you, hold, you have them in third and 15, and you think you got him covered, and he takes off for 16 yards, and – you're back to square one. So I just think they'll get better and better with it. Nick Chubb's adjusting. He says he likes running out of this, you know, shotgun and some of the things that maybe he wasn't doing before. He's going to adjust and he's going to be successful. So I just think you add another, basically another running back option 
with Watson. When you had Brissett or Mayfield, the defense knows they're not going to run. And so they don't have to worry about it too much. Well, it's not that just that they're not going to run, but if they do run, you know who's going to run the ball. <laughs> you know, if it's mm-hmm. Brissett or, or Mayfield, it's Nick Chubb going to get the ball. Uh, yeah. Whereas, Brad, with this situation, you don't know who's going to get the ball. There was a run, I thought specifically of you, Brad, because I know how much you love the run on second and 10. And it's it's my least fa- one of my least favorite plays in football as well. When when you maybe have an incomplete pass or an unsuccessful play on first and ten, and then you just go back in there to run it, like ah maybe we can get a few yards for third third down. And I feel like the defense sees it coming every single time. However, we saw it. I, I it was a second down and ten play, and it worked uh, yesterday. When the defense doesn't know who's going to run the ball, it's a little different, isn't it, Brad? Yeah, you know, uh, once again, I'll point to uh, the breakdown on their adjustments uh, from from Jake at the on the article. Really watch that stuff. It, it's a, it's it, they did a really good job. But I mean, what you're doing here is essentially you're you're either getting linebackers in the entire defensive line going one direction and then going the other, or freezing them and keeping them honest, right? Uh, to respect one side of the run and taking off with the other. Uh, some of the wrinkles they had in the second half were perfect. I hate running on second and long. It's so annoying to me, uh, and they do it way too much. But I understand. Like, listen, they are really bad this year uh, on third and uh, six or longer. They have yeah. not converted hardly anything. So I don't really – I guess I get I, – I, I don't really understand the whole concept behind running – on second and 10 when you are really bad at, at converting third and six. I, I don't know. Either way, I don't, that's a whole nother rabbit hole to go down right another day. Tailspin. Right, yeah, I, I don't want to go off on that tangent. But uh, either way, with, when they are running this gun run, pin pull stuff, uh, it, it is creating um, – linebackers it stresses linebackers it stresses defensive tackles because they don't know which direction the ball is going to go and so it's creating options like yesterday where watson was high stepping for 21 yards down uh the sideline on that play you guys talked about where it was really just a quarterback counter you know what i mean uh they they pulled uh that way everything looked like it was going to the right to chubb and he literally just kept it and went right through uh uh, the hole between the uh, tackle and the guard for 21 yards, and it was beautiful. And once he gets into space, he is so slippery and elusive oh. as a runner. So uh, it's definitely definitely a aspect of this offense that needs to be utilized. I do want to bring this uh, comment up, and I do want to apologize to Fumble because, I, of course, we love you, Fumble. But wasn't uh, Fumble wants to know wasn't Chubb getting the rushing title on the radar? Only 14 carries. And only gained 40 yards or so on Jacobs? Um, no. <laughs> it's not on their radar, dude. I'm sorry. It's fun as a fan. And frankly, I think Nick Chubb would be cool if he got the rushing title. He'd be happy. But like, I'm, am I way off on this, guys? I don't. I think these last few games, especially after last week and basically having no choice or no chance of any playoffs, these last couple games are about making sure this team is, is getting some positive things going on the offense, getting getting Deshaun Watson acclimated into this offense, I don't think they're really. I don't think there's anybody concerned. And 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 you're around him a lot, Fred. I don't think Nick Chubb is concerned about getting the rushing title. I think he just wants to go out there and be successful and get what he can get. He's not. Um, 
that that to say it was on the radar that's kind of a, a media contrived thing and one of my colleagues is asking about that kind of stuff constantly and <laughs> what are they going to say no we don't want him to win yeah, yeah he's he's 160 yards behind they're not going to do like Derrick Henry a couple years ago when Chubb was leading and they gave him the ball every play until he passed him and then he had like a 50 yard run <laughs> when they had already, I think, clinched and they're like, but no, they're not, that's not, they really truly, you know, Stefanski's goal is to win the game this week. Again, it's not to get Nick Chubb, the rushing title. If Jacobs didn't play for whatever reason, I don't even think they would still just go all in on Chubb to try to get 160 yards unless he's really close because They're they're more concerned with even getting a look for Ford yeah. or um, something like that if it's late in the game. But no, I think it'd be great, and I think it'll happen here somewhere. He's he's second. I think it'd be like the third or fourth time he's second. Yeah, but right. he doesn't really care. He doesn't really care to be honest. He'd rather make the playoffs any day than win the rushing title. A hell of a season. I mean, he's going to finish with most likely unless they really sit him or, or he doesn't play well he's gonna finish with about 1500 yards well, i mean what a season brad what you got i just wanted to ask fred are you surprised at all fred that he is playing in these last two games i know he probably advocated for it but but i kind of thought that they might sit him down they're so conscious of his workload uh, and this would have been a time to get an extended look at Jerome Ford, who is going to be the only other running back re- guaranteed to return next year. It felt like this would be the time to do that. I was a little surprised he's playing in these last two games. Um, no, I'm not surprised. He wants to play. Um, the, the, the coaching staff, just the same way with Garrett. I mean, I don't know how significant his shoulder injury is. And I don't know what type of surgery, if that's what I've heard, that he needs some surgery. You would think that if it was going to be extended rehab, they would get that over with. But no, I I would be surprised after seeing the way he was, you know, used the other day that he wouldn't be used in a similar fashion again this week. I, sure. I don't think they think that far down the road they really do do the one week at a time. And I, I, I'm pretty sure Stefanski knows he's safe, but I don't think he's really, I think he really wants to have a non double digit losing season, you know, 10 losses. And I, I think they're going to attack this to win. Plus you're playing Pittsburgh. Uh, we'll yeah. get to that in a couple yeah. minutes. Uh, guys, let's switch it over real quick to the other side of the ball uh, because defensively, listen, uh, we let's let's get this part out of the way first. This is non non Browns. The hell was Ron Rivera doing yesterday? What was that decision? And 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 then, like I slept on it, guys. We talked about this in the post game, right? And then I slept on it, and I still do not understand this. Ron Rivera yesterday starts Carson Wentz, even though Taylor Heineke has got a winning record for him and has played much better than Carson Wentz. Uh. And, and Heineke's one of those guys where if you're like, if, if they announced Heineke was starting guys and I'm a Browns fan, I'm like, ah, oh, that guy's, he's a pain. He he's is. a pain. He's a thorn in your side. He's not the best quarterback on the planet, but he he's a max effort guy all the time. And, and he makes plays. He makes winning plays. 
so they start Wentz. Wentz is awful, awful. They keep him in the game. He has that one drive. That's it. Still awful. They keep him in the game. Ron Rivera comes out after the game, seemingly not under. Now, he said he was like being sarcastic. I'm not buying that for a minute. You could see the blank stare in his face when they sent it to him. Uh, seemingly has no idea that they could get eliminated if they lose this game. Um, what? What? Where does that rank in the pantheon of what was that decisions uh, that you guys have seen? Well, I'll say, you know, I saw the clip of him and and he's a great actor if he if he was yeah, you know, saying that that he didn't know it and he did, and he really did because he actually his facial expression to me looked like he was perplexed. But you can you imagine if that would have been Stefanski saying mm. that um if that was the Brown situation, he'd be roasted all day, you know, around here and you'd hear that for a while, but no, I think he got in the way of himself. I thought, you know, he's given once a shot. I, I don't know all the deal, but Heineke, I know, was on the team last year. They obviously weren't happy with him, so they went out and made that trade to get Wentz, and I assume Rivera was, you know, that's who he wanted. And so I don't think they want to stand pat with Heineke. And so he felt here at the end, maybe Wentz can re recalibrate and so forth. But to me, Heineke, to me, is more of the spark guy. And it would have been set up perfectly to bring him in, you know, in the second half. And in, then it might have been a different deal, you know. But, yeah, it was, worked out to the Browns' favor. Because I think when he did the 21-play drive, even though he didn't have a whole lot to do with it, Wentz, other than that third and 17, um, right. he just handed the ball off made a couple plays, but I think Rivera felt like, well, I can't make a switch now. We just took the lead. So that worked out in the Browns' favor. And you say what you can, I feel like that drive sealed Joe Woods's fate. I mean, you couldn't get off the field six third downs and a fourth down, you know, on one drive. The fourth down. Any one of the three of us could have scored that touchdown, by the way. Carson Wentz just takes that snap and goes like this. Yeah, they did come doing? back and get a three and out. That was big to start the second half. But you know the national narrative. I don't know if you saw any hi- the highlights. I saw even on the Sunday Night Football in America was Carson Wentz throws three interceptions and he made it look like it was all about that. When the Browns got three points off of that, it was all about Watson. But they didn't want to talk about that. Well, talk about that for a minute, Fred, because you 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 talked about that in our Slack channel. You you brought it up to us. Uh, it's a little surprising. I, I, is it? I saw. Uh, I think this also got put in our Slack. I think uh, it was the NFL uh, tweeted the highlights of the game, and from the main NFL account, and like when they showed the passing touchdowns, they showed from after Watson had released the ball. So they would show like Cooper catching the ball and going down the sideline. And that was it from the game. So uh, that that strikes me as a little weird coming from the, the league, right? Like Brad, does that from the league, it strikes you as a little weird that they're not showing Deshaun? Like, listen, I get it. I get it. Deshaun Watson is, is not free and clear of all of the crap that he came with. But like, is that what it feels? That feels weird and petty to me. That feels petty. 
Yeah, they're they're uh, making a conscious effort to try to appease uh, the people that feel strongly that he should not be in the league or playing, which is a lot of people, right? So uh, I understand why they're doing it. Is it fair? I don't. I mean, that's a whole nother discussion. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean. He served a suspension. Uh, the legal aspect of the stuff is is almost done, right? So I don't know. I don't know, uh, I don't know what they... I think you're just going to continue to see this. Like, he will have a big day, and there will not be much mention of it around the league, right? Like, they're going to try to shelter any success he has... Um, a lot of a lot of places are outside of Cleveland. It will generally be played down. Uh, if you saw at halftime, there were many national uh, reporters, and you know Fred, uh, w- one of your uh, colleagues, who was uh, blatantly saying that Watson was not the guy, and this was the uh, worst move in uh, NFL history at halftime of the game. So uh, it was a uh, little bit of an overreaction there on their on their part but people are looking for the low-hanging fruit uh to take uh shots at watson any chance they can get and uh when he does have success they're not gonna highlight it well and, and listen for me again i will always go back to if 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 you know the watson situation and it is incredibly bothersome to you I, okay there's nothing wrong with that like that is okay i'm not here to defend all that i just feel like from the league perspective, it's a little <laughs> weird to just be like, well, we're not going to show you in any highlights. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Don't comment- you feel, though, at this point, as Browns fans, if they're still watching the games or cheering for the Browns or whatever, I have to think that they, you know, they might not be happy with everything, about, but they're watching football. And believe me, they don't know the lives – on all the roster and guys they've cheered for in the past, or I could ruin it for a lot of them. So, you know, that's, that's, I've already said, you know, I, I know a lot more than most of the people know about these guys, personal lives. His just happened to be public and over the top. And again, I don't want to go into all that, but I, yeah, I do think that was fascinating that you brought that up, Fred, that, that he's just not involved in the highlights and we'll see how long that continues. Uh, listen, I'm, Want to hear your thoughts on this, Fred? We've got uh, some people that we work with that are uh, throwing some stuff at us that I'm not going to throw out there because I'll let them do that. And and obviously, if you're not a part of the OBR's website, go over there and subscribe to that. You can read what Brad and Fred are writing. Uh, You can join us on The Buzz. You can read Rumor Central, uh, where I have a feeling there's going to be more on this topic. But Pee Wee's Dog Pound says, the issue now is that the defense has been playing well for several weeks now. Uh, So Kevin Stefanski might feel inclined to keep Joe Woods again. Now I have a very harsh and fast reaction to that, uh, but I'll let you, I'll let you guys I'll let you guys. Fred, uh, are you are you hearing or seeing anything that makes you feel like Joe Woods is going to still be with this team uh, after next Monday? Even I still think it's fifty fifty. To be Ooh. honest, I mean, if it, if Kevin Stefanski and it should be his decision as the head coach, I don't think he makes the move. He's very loyal. He keeps. I mean, you can even see that with players. He doesn't bench players. He doesn't, 
you know, with coaches, they've had this, he hasn't fired anybody. They've been the same staff. Now one aspect, you like the continuity, but now the other aspect, you're kind of growing old with, especially in the defensive pattern. I was just looking five of the last six games, 17 points or less. And that's similar to last year, you know, in the final 11 games, they gave up 17 or less seven out of the 11 games, but it's too late. The season is over. And last year you had all new parts. So you gave them a little slack. That's what everybody's expecting to pick up where you left off nine of the 11 starters. So now you're sitting here, say you go out here and you shut down the Steelers again, hold them to 10 points or less. I mean, (laughs) there's going to be a case, but I think it'll happen above Stefanski. And the question to me that I wonder is if Jimmy Haslam or somebody says you fire him or you're gone. If he gets that ultimatum, does he pull the, the Marty Schottenheimer, you know, when he was told to fire his brother, Brian, or not Brian, but Kurt. And, and he, he, he left. So I don't know. I, I really just I just think all things being said, I hear that the decision's been made to move on, but I, I'll believe it when I see it. Brad, can you make us feel better than what Fred just did? <laughs> Listen, you know, I've written about this multiple times, and I'm of course I, I am not nearly as plugged in as Fred is. So uh, but I feel like from observing uh Stefanski and some comments from Miles Garrett, who was very critical of Woods, and then just recently here, the last couple of weeks, all of a sudden is singing his praises. I feel like the decision has been made for a couple of weeks. Like, listen, the damage is done. Like they, you know, what did Bush say? I wrote, you know, fool me once, won't get fooled again, right? Like, <laughs> you know, he he did it last year. Like, you know, okay, they gave him a second chance. They gave him a a reprieve uh, because his, his, uh, you know, because they came on strong at the end of the year. But, guys, the the games that they're shutting down teams, the Texans, the Andy Dalton-led Saints, the Tyler Huntley-led Ravens, I mean, they're not shutting down any juggernauts. They're – listen, the the season was lost because this defense couldn't – perform against the jets against teams like the the damage is done it's over there's there should be no case in my opinion to keep him around like there should be no case at all he has you know the the season was lost due to abject failure by him and when i hear him talk in press conferences fred and, and mike like he's talking about you know, always simplifying things and how they can't expand on what they do because guys don't know what they're doing. And then, you know, you have the classic uh, god-awful press conference from hell from their uh, defensive backs coach where, you know, uh, taking two of the team's best wide receivers away makes them somehow unable to adjust to the to the Bengals uh, properly. I don't know. This defense has failed so much and is so inept at times this year with really good talent. Like there are the back end talent on this team, Delpit, Ward, Emerson, Newsom. These guys can play, man. And I don't know. I just I think that it's even if 
it wasn't this bad and it is this bad or it was this bad they need a new voice right like from the things we've heard p- players say they need a new voice in that locker room and a new direction so real quick i want to talk really quickly about a couple individual guys and then i want to spend the last like five minutes talking about this upcoming game the last game of the season but you brought up grant delbert brad uh and and now th- throw it over to you fred um impressed with what you seen out of grant because you we, we're talking about a guy that we we're questioning his ability to catch on we were questioning his ability to to understand. We never really questioned his physical abilities, but his mental abilities we questioned because he was involved early in the year in a lot of those plays that resulted in wide-open touchdowns uh, uh, for the opposing wide receivers. All of a sudden, Grant Delpit is a guy that's leading this team in tackling. Two interceptions yesterday. He has been... About as sure of a thing, and and he's still maybe not the greatest center fielder type safety out there, but in the box, he's a guy that just always feels like he's in the play, around the play, making a play. Uh, Have you been impressed with the turnaround of this season for Grant Delpit? I have. Um, Recently, I thought he was one of the candidates for the most disappointing player on the defense this year until about three or four weeks ago, and it seems like now it seems like he's around the ball. He's making plays, not just the interceptions. He's making stops on third down, fourth down. So that's where the coach is just, okay, you see what he does well, put him in those positions and don't put him as a, you know, a, a straight cover guy or, or rely on him down the field, you know, to, to cover, get a safety that can do those things and let him do what he does best. So you know, I don't think it's much different. He could be, you know, like JOK is like a 220 pound, like a big safety. I mean, he's not that much smaller, Delpit. And I think that, you know, this is really only a second year because he tore his Achilles. So yeah. it takes a while. But then last year was his rookie year, basically, even though it's his third year. So I think, I think he's shown some promise to me. I don't study the film every play, but. I think he's doing some things, making plays. Brad, I want to go to yesterday's game specifically and talk about another group that I think was fairly impressive. Uh, Maybe not jump off the page, all pro level impressive, but you trot out there a group of Deion Jones and Raglan and Tony Fields as your linebackers yesterday because of all the injuries to the linebacking core. Those guys were flying around making plays. All of them. All those guys were flying around making plays. Talk Talk about those linebackers yesterday. Yeah, you know, Ragland has been an, a, a wonderful surprise, right? Like, uh, the last two weeks here, he's played pretty good ball. A guy that I didn't expect that from uh, came from, what, the New York practice squad, the Giants practice squad, I think, yeah. uh, or special teams guy or whatever. Um, and uh, he's played well. Deion Jones, I think, is a guy worth keeping around, uh, at least in camp next year. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what they do. Uh, but like, you know, he's a smart, heady guy, you know, and, uh, he made some plays yesterday. I have, I, to be perfectly honest, I have not been overly, uh, overwhelmed with fields play. Um, but you know, I, he does fly around. That's for sure. Um, and, uh, to your point, I think that, uh, you know, to what you asked Fred, uh, just to, to on Delpit real quick, he seems to be not thinking so much and playing with like the speed that he actually can play with. Like he is flying around, hitting people, 
making plays. Uh, I think that Delpa, if you can get a, the Browns need a true center fielder type free safety, which they haven't had on this roster. If you could couple that with Delpa, I like yeah. what the back end looks like. All right, last thing before we talk about the Steelers game upcoming, I want to talk about one other position group, and it's been the worst of the position groups. It's the interior of the defensive line. But I want you each to give me give me one player. And and don't factor in – I don't want – I only want you to factor in a guy on the field. So I don't want you to factor in his age. I don't want, to, I don't want you to factor in, uh, you know, whether he's a second-year guy or a rookie or whatever. Just a guy in that group, Togi and Winfrey and 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 the 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 entirety of that Taven Bryan and and – that whole group, Jordan Elliott, was one guy that you're like, you know what? The the group as a as as a whole has not been very good, but I'm I'm kind of interested in this guy next year. Is there one of those guys that you're like, I'm kind of interested in watching this guy? I'm looking for a little positivity out of that group as we get to the end of the year. I think Taven Bryan was the best of the group. And I think unless you have better options, you got to at least bring him back. You got to get, but you got to go out and really get, I think, you know, they stumbled onto Reggie Raglan. He's your old fashioned, you know, he's a 252 pound linebacker. He could probably play defensive tackle better than some of these guys they have. And, um, but I think Taven Bryan, you know, would be the best of that group, which isn't saying a lot, but he's, he's held his own, my opinion. You feel the yeah. same there, Brad? Yeah, I agree that the best of that group has been Brian. And, 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 like, if he was your fourth defensive tackle next year, sure. Or he maybe even your third, but somebody else, you know, uh, I, I don't know. A rotational piece, sure, but he should not be starting for this team. And I do think that I'll say that Perrion Winfrey, I think, has shown some promise and, and uh, will get a shot to get in the rotation. I doubt he starts, though. I yeah, think you need... Up. I think you need two new tackles. Everybody in the comments is blowing up Perry and Winfrey, and I get that. I Listen, he's a first-year guy. He's a rookie. Uh, he's had some issues uh, on and off the field. Uh, but obviously, if you're going to factor all things in, I think you look at the guy that's in his first year and go, well, obviously, that's a guy you want to give a little time to. Yeah. He's uh, been but, better of late, too. He's been better late in the season. Yeah, agreed. All right, guys, let's talk real quick about the last game of the season, if you guys can believe it. Last game of the season coming up, and it's a fun one. Uh, we are heading to Pittsburgh. The Cleveland Browns taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers with a chance, with a win, with a chance to get into the postseason, which is unbelievable. And Fred talked about it last week right here on the Monday Rewind, how that organization just figures things out. And the Steelers have figured it out. They continue to win like they did this week against Baltimore. They continue to win games when everybody has counted them out, fighting for a playoff spot, the Cleveland Browns, if they lose to the Browns, they do not make the playoffs. The Browns have a chance to go in and spoil this for the Steelers and also just show a little bit of growth here because I think a lot of people should be picking the Browns to beat the Steelers in a game without all the other stuff involved. Uh, guys, just talk about this game and, and uh, A, what it means for this team to hold the Steelers out of the playoffs and to be able to do that to your rival, and B, what they can do, what 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 a win this week would would do for them, momentum wise, maybe not just momentum wise, but mentality wise, heading into next year, Fred. Well, let's put on the glasses because yeah, I'm going to be optimistic. Go. Let's go. And I think the Browns, you know, 
more so the importance is for Deshaun Watson to pick up where he left off in the second half of that game, put together another strong game, and go into the offseason on a roll. I know you can't really take momentum with you, but for the reasons I said earlier about attracting free agents, making the team feel good about the direction of everything, I think this is the opportunity for them. Sure, it'd be better to play a fourth-place schedule, but you really don't want to get last place. And that's what happens if you don't win this game. So I think that they're going to they're gonna go over there and spoil it. They spoiled Washington last week. It's going to be tough. I felt like even if the Browns were in a position to go to the playoffs with a win against the Steelers, that could be the one game that they lose because they just always seem to lose over in Pittsburgh on the last game of the year and bad things happen. A lot of firings of coaches. But I think they're going to – I think I think it's on Watson. I think he's going to come out there and put up points, and he's going to outduel Kenny Pickett. And I think this will set them up feeling good, even though they're 8-9, and nine, a lot more promise than last year's 8-9. and nine. I saw it early, 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 early in the comments uh, as we I put this comment up from uh, Pee Wee's Dog Pound. But I, what was the last year the Browns swept the Steelers? It was here. It was in the comments. Somebody had it. 1988 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what year it was, but they have the chance to go four and two in the division, guys, uh, with this win, which I think would be the first Best time. record in the division. Yeah. And the first time since uh, to go four and two since I don't I, I heard somebody say 95. I don't know if that's right. But either way, it's been a long time. Right. So uh, to go four and two in the division. And into, you know, this makes this game fun, right? Like this game makes this game matter even more. Uh, it, it feels like the Browns kind of Super Bowl of this year, uh, especially coming off of that really good second half from Watson. So you try to take that build on it in this game and play spoiler to the Steelers, which would be a great prize and way, great way to finish this year. So I, I like, I agree with, uh, if I had some sunglasses, I'd put them on. I agree with uh, Fred. Uh, oh, is that Brad? Steelers. Is, is Brad your internet doing all right? No, there we go. We're back. Uh, and and listen, I think it also is this. Uh, Pee Wee's Dog Pound said this in the comment. There's a game missing somewhere here. I don't know whether it's missing on the front part of this or the back part of this, but obviously, it wasn't exactly this. But it's similar. It's close to this. Two and six, and then you went six and two. It may be two and six, and then he went six and three, or maybe it was three and six, and then he went six and two. One of those, because there's a game missing. But that's a nice turnaround in the season, uh, and and he didn't make the playoffs. But to be able to end the year six and two in your last eight games, basically your last half of the season, you go six and two. That is a that is a nice way to end the season and move forward. So uh, listen, uh, I am, uh, or is or is he talking about the Steelers? Were they two and six? Is that what Ian yeah, said? They, they have a chance to make the playoffs, be like the first team ever to make the playoffs start from two, two and six. six. Okay. Well, the Browns aren't far off from that, though, because if the Browns win on, on uh, Sunday, I believe they would finish the year six and two. So that would be a, a nice way to end the year. Uh, but uh, it, it's going to be a good time. I like I like the fact that there is I like the fact that there is something at play here. Uh, and I think it's on both sides, uh, you know. Uh, you've been pushed around. I, I'm tired. First of all, I'm tired 
of having to ruin somebody's chances at the end of the year. I want somebody to be trying to ruin our chances. Uh, but when it's the Steelers, somebody said it before, throw the records out. Let's go in there and play some ball. Let's kick their butts. Let's sweep them this year for the first time since 1988. Uh, and, and let's go into this offseason on a high. And hopefully that's what the Browns can do. So, listen, uh, that's going to do it for us. We're a couple minutes over on our time. But the last game of the season coming up, the Cleveland Browns against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Browns coming off a big 24-10 to 10 win over the Washington Commanders. I do want to throw out real quick the schedule for this week. Uh, here on the OBR, first of all, Brad, Fred, the rest of the crew, Cody, uh, and Anthony and Jake and 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 Barry and they're all going to be writing. They're all going to have stuff on the website. So make sure you're following along on the website. You're on the streaming network, Twitch and YouTube. Uh, tomorrow night we've got Chalk Talk with Jake Burns. Jake is going to break down the film from that game this last weekend. It's going to be fun. You're going to want to join in for that because there's going to be a tale of two uh, a tale of two tapes. Uh, Nine o'clock tomorrow night. It's Garage Beers Live. That's my show. With Chad and Joey, we're going to be joined by the guys from the official podcast of the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, Justin Rowe and Carter Rodriguez from the Chase Down podcast. We're going to talk about a Cavs midway point review, uh, so don't miss that. Wednesday, Fred will be back with Barry on OBR Weekly to take your questions to talk about the Browns, the upcoming game against the Steelers. And then Thursday, it'll be Brad. You'll be back with Andrew Spade uh, doing the weekend kickoff, doing a full-on preview of this, the final game of the season we have got an absolute blast coming up all week on the streaming network. Don't miss a minute of it. For Brad Ward at Ward on Sports Online. For Fred Greetham at Fred Greetham 9 Online. I'm Michael Keefe at Garage Beers Mike Online. And until next week, this has been the Monday Rewind. Go Browns, everybody. Thank you.